0: Bobster. Bobster is always lagging. The Bobster is always lagging. We need the beat, bro. We need the beat.
1: Steven, hey, Levin, you want to introduce everybody? Yeah. Out of tune. Okay. All right. Good morning, church. Good morning. Hope everyone's doing well. If you guys go ahead and uh, make your way up front, find your seats, make yourselves comfortable, enjoy the warmth, and let's stand (laughs) and uh, start to uh, worship the Lord God today. some glad morning when this life is over. I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. i I'm thousand reasons meant for
2: contact information on there and uh, we'll reach out to you or just send you uh, weekly emails. also just like to remind you on your way out on the left hand side is our tithes and offering box so if you just want to drop a tithes in there uh, or any offerings please just go and put them in the box and then today after service today we'll have a uh, town hall meeting just again to uh, give some updates about the uh, upcoming fiscal year talk about the budget and then uh, Fitz will also be giving a pulpit committee update today. And then on the 21st of September, we'll have a community dinner at 6 o'clock or 1,800. I see a lot of military haircuts in here, so there will be that. So we'll have whole pork sandwiches, coleslaw, mac and cheese, good Southern California meal, I think, right? Amen. All right. I think that uh, Jim put the vote in on that. Remember, he's from the East Coast. So, All right. And then also on October 10th, we'll see... Um, at Shadow Mountain, from 10 to 2, there is a uh, family service. There will be a youth celebration, children's activities, child care, and then also BMX riders there. And uh, if you want, you can register at Diegobaptist.com. That's the most important part there. And you will also get that on that link if you sign up for uh, weekly emails. And then uh, one last thing I wanted to put out. It's kind of a funny. I'm not sure if I can say this at church, but I got a death threat uh, yesterday from one of the men at the breakfast. Uh, but yesterday, it was like a bunch of little scurrying ants, so if, you, if there's wives here that are having trouble at home with their husbands, you should come here on the first Saturday, right? We had to set up the church, we had to vacuum, wash dishes, we were scrubbing pans, because most of us don't know how to cook, right? So there was a bunch of burnt pans yesterday from the uh, men's breakfast, and I was like, man, if all of our wives could only see us, right? And one guy was like, don't say that at church tomorrow. So, and he's here on the back left, I'm not saying any initials or names, all right? But he is a lot bigger than me, so I'm a little nervous, so if I can get an escort on the way up. Um, with that being said, uh, awesome. I, um, I'm just uh, thankful that each one of you are here, so let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day, Lord. Lord, it's an awesome opportunity to come into your house and worship together, Lord. Lord, we lift up the tithes and the offerings, Lord, and we just ask that each giver gives with a cheerful heart, Lord that we here in America, that we have plenty, Lord, and that we just pay it forward, Lord. Lord, that we lift up Jim, and we just ask that you use him a vessel for your word, and that this message speaks to each one of our hearts, Lord, and prepares us for the endeavors that you have prepared for us, Lord. Lord, that you guide us, and Lord, that you, again, that you open our hearts, and if there's anyone here that does not know you, Lord, that they will repent of their sins today, Lord, and accept a relationship with you. Christ, holy and precious name we pray.
0: Amen. Please stand. I see the work of your hands, Galaxies galaxy spinning, a heavenly dance. Oh God, all that you are is so overwhelming. The sound of your voice All the once It's a gentle and thundering noise Oh God All that you are Is so overwhelming I delight myself in you Captivated by your beauty I'm overwhelmed I'm overwhelmed God, I run into your arms Unashamed because of mercy I'm overwhelmed my God. And all that you've done is so overwhelming. I delight myself in you, in the glory of your presence. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. You are the most beautiful You are wonderful You are wonderful Oh God There is no one more wonderful You are wonderful God You are the most wonderful You are glorious You are glorious You are glorious Oh God There is no one more glorious You are glorious God, you are the most glorious I delight I delight myself in you In the glory of your presence I'm overwhelmed I'm overwhelmed by you God, I because of mercy I'm overwhelmed I know that your love breaks my fall, the scandal, the grace, you died in my place, oh my soul will live, oh to be like you,
3: I give all I have
0: just to know you, Jesus there's no one beside you. Your stain, Your power is as dead as Your sin. The cross has taught me to live. Have mercy, my heart now to sing. The day and its troubles shall come. I know that Your strength is enough. The scandal of grace died in my place so my soul will live oh to be like you I give all I have just to know you Jesus there's no one beside you forever the hope in my heart It's all because of you, Jesus It's all because of your love that my soul will live Oh, to be like you I give all I have just to know you Jesus, there's no one beside you Ever the hope in my heart whose name is love whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands. My name is within, upward I look and see Him there, who made an end to all my sin, because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free, for God the just is satisfied, to look on Him on Him and in me. Behold Him there, the risen man, my perfect spotless righteousness, the great unchangeable I am, the King of glory.
3: Maybe be seated except for the really cute, good-looking, young people we have at First Baptist Church. You come on up here. All you cute, good-looking, young people, smart, intelligent, handsome. All right, boys and girls, I got a question for you today. So put your thinking caps on. Get it out of your pocket. You got your thinking cap? You got your backpack? Put your thinking cap on. Okay. Everybody got it on? Boy, they're rebels today, huh? Nobody's putting the thinking cap on. Let me ask you something. When we sing songs here, and, and Micah or Steve or, or uh, whoever leads, Michelle leads us in songs, we sing about somebody a lot. Who do we sing about? Do you know? The Lord. The Lord. Do you know what his name is? What is it? It's Jesus. Jesus, that's right. We sing about Jesus, and, and we call him Jesus Christ and Christ means the redeemer, the messiah, it's kind of a big word, means he's our savior. And and when you get to a point in your life when you understand that you need a savior and that we have sins that we need to get rid of, Jesus is the one who died on the cross for our sins so that we could be saved and so we could be clean from those sins. Now here's the thing, when you become a follower of Christ, you're called a Christian. How many have heard that word, Christian? All right, you know what it means literally? It means a little Christ. We can never be just like Jesus, but we can be a little reflection of what he is. We can be a little bit like Christ, and we ought to become more and more and more like him every single day. Because do you know what? Your friends in school and your friends that live by you where you live, your neighbors, those kids maybe will never hear about Jesus unless you tell them, and you have a responsibility to tell your friends and your family and your neighbors and your schoolmates about Jesus Christ. So that's what we're going to preach on today. And here, I'm not sure what you're going to learn, but I know it's going to be a great lesson in your Sunday school class. So let's do this. Let's bow our heads and pray, all right? Our Father, we bow before you today, and we're so grateful and thankful that even though you knew all about us, You still sent your son to die on the cross for our sins. And, Lord, we don't deserve such great love, but we thank you for it. And I pray you'd help every one of these boys and girls come to a point where they know you personally as their Lord and Savior. And I pray that as they do and as their moms and dads do, that they would go out and tell friends and family and friends and everybody we come across that Jesus Christ is the Savior, the Son of God. Lord, help us to be good witnesses and testimonies for you, we pray. In Jesus' name. And all the kids said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go ahead and go to your classes. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Would you turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, please? Matthew, chapter 28 to what's called the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28. While they turn there, uh, you saw a slide and Doug made an announcement about this event October the 10th over at Shadow Mountain. It's the Southern Baptist Association meeting. They've got all kinds of cool things planned, food, family fun, uh, BMX bike racing, and all kinds of events. They have child care for young kids and uh, activities for the older kids and something for moms and dads too. So uh, if you go to the website and register, register from First Baptist Church. On the back table where we fill out the name tags on that high table back there, there are a limited number of these available. And if you're would, if you interested, go ahead and pick up one. It's got the website address so you can go register for it. Be sure to register from First Baptist Church. And if we run out, we'll print some more of these. And Ariel has that information uh, on, on the internet online. We can get it to you that way. Now, in our list of things, I want to remind you of this because several weeks ago, a few weeks ago, gave you a list of things to be praying for in the bulletin. And um, one of the things we need to pray for on the pulpit committee is that we would have supernatural discernment, wisdom, and strength for the team chairman. And our team chairman is Mr. Fitz, and he's going to be uh, coming up later and giving a report. But uh, I would like for us to just uh, have him stand for a moment right where you are, sir, and, and let's pray for God to give him that discernment and that leadership in that capacity as the pulpit chairman. Father, we just want so much for your perfect will to be done in seeking a pastor for this great church. And Lord, I thank you for the leadership team. I thank you for the pulpit committee. I thank you for them joining forces and uh, being responsible to determine who comes to be the full-time pastor here. And I pray God for Fitz. There's a lot of responsibility on his shoulders aside from all of this. But Father, there probably is no more greater responsibility than that of figuring out who the spiritual leader for this congregation should be. So I pray, Lord, that you would lead him, that you would give him supernatural wisdom and judgment and discernment because we need more than what our own minds and hearts can tell us. We need you to speak to him, to all the pulpit committee, so they know exactly that they're doing what you want done and they get the person that you want here. And, Lord, we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Be praying for fits this week, all right? And uh, keep your list out and be praying for all of those special, special needs and special topics. Now, um, yeah, Dave posted something on evangelism, on the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28 this week, and I forwarded it because uh, it was exactly what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, the Great Commission or the Great Omission? Which is it for you? The Great Commission or the Great Omission? Omission. Now they call it officer, when they get, make an. it's a commissioning, isn't that correct? So it's, what technically is that? I, I maybe don't know the technical military answer to that. But to commission is to give authority to and, and to, to cite someone as being responsible for and in a unique position. And so here we have the great commission given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're supposed to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's our commission. That's the great commission it's the, it's the most one of the most important things we can do so all of the things we've talked about in the I love my church campaign this is the last one uh, last in the series uh, but it's not the last one in priority because we need to learn to keep, as we'll learn in a moment, the main thing, the main thing. That's what the main thing should be about. And so going into all the world, preaching the gospel, teaching them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever He's commanded us is part of the Great Commission. If we're doing it, we're fulfilling the Great Commission. If we're not, it's the Great Omission, which means we've omitted something that is as weighty as it could possibly be. Michael Green made a statement about witnessing and telling people about Christ. He said, not until we burn with a passion, which is almost like a pain. I think that's interesting. A passion so strong it almost hurts. And you know what? I, I can't think of. A, I, I know there are times when I've had such a passion about something, such a, an emotional pull and tug. It was like, it was, it was similar to a pain. It was like... You know, when you get a pain, it's, it's just overwhelming. It's what you think about all the time. And when you have that kind of a passion to where it's almost a pain, unless we have that, to reach people with the gospel, they won't be able to take the matter seriously. So not until we burn with that kind of a passion. So, you know, I would pray that God would give us that kind of a concern for people because, folks, the last I checked, they're all going to hell if they don't trust Christ as their personal Savior. That may not be a popular subject today, but and it may not be a popular topic to talk about, but it's true. There's only one way of salvation. That's through Jesus Christ as our lord and savior. He's the only one who died on the cross for your sins. He's the only one who was raised again. He was the only one who God sent to this world to be the sin bearer. And so everybody outside of Christ is going to hell. And we need to tell them that Jesus loves them and Jesus died for them. Well, preacher, I'm 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 kind of uh, embarrassed to talk about. Why are you embarrassed? You, you talk about, you know, I talk about my grandkids. You want to talk grandkids, just get me along. Get Pat along. We'll t- she'll regale you with hundreds of photos from her phone of our grandchildren. We're proud of them. We like to talk about them. I, I love to talk about my wife because I love her and because I- she's an amazing person. Why don't we like to talk about Jesus Christ? What is there that's different if he's really our Savior, if he's really our Lord, he's really our Master, if he's, if he's the one that-, that died for us, why don't we talk about him more? Why aren't we fulfilling the great commission? So the real question is, is it, is it real for you or is it not? Is it, do we take it seriously, this great commission? Jesus came to the world, Luke chapter 19, verse 10, uh, for the very purpose to seek and to save that which was lost. That was why he came, to seek and to save the lost. I was talking to a neighbor yesterday, walking, walking my dogs, and, and, and I stopped and talked to him. And, and uh, he, he talked about some friends of his that they used to hang around with all the time. And these friends became a part of a particular religious sect, not a Christian denomination, a particular religious sect. And they quit coming around this neighbor. And he couldn't understand that. He said, I, I know they have some different beliefs now, but he said... He said they, wouldn't, they didn't want to come and, to our kids' birthdays and celebrate. Them. They didn't want to come at Christmas time and celebrate. They didn't want to come at Thanksgiving or Easter time. He said, I, I, I just got to where I wouldn't tell them when it was a birthday. I'd say, just come to our house. <laughs> you know, we're going to get together. And he said they wouldn't even do that because we weren't of their particular variety. And I said to him, Jesus came to fellowship with people who were sinners. He came to hang out. With the sinners, and the publicans, that was not Republicans, that was publicans and sinners and tax collectors. And he said, he said that when he was criticized by whom? By the religious crowd. When he was criticized, he said, the whole don't need a physician, but those that are sick. Need the physician. And, and he made some of the sweetest stories in the Word of God when, when the woman caught in the act of, of, of adultery was brought before him and the people wanted to stone her. And, and he stooped down and wrote, what, I don't know what he wrote in the dirt, maybe, where's the man? Where is he? Huh? Hey, you guys are so quick to stone this lady. Where's the man? I don't know what he wrote. But, but when, when that was over, he told her to go and sin no more. He fellowshipped with sinners and sought them. I was sat in a courtroom a few years back as one of our church members was before a judge. It was predetermined, he was told, by his counselor, by his attorney, that he was going to be sentenced to life in prison. He was a third striker, and it was over. And I sat there in that courtroom, and we had prayed uh, we, we had prayed with this man. He had, he had turned his life completely around. <clears throat> from the drug culture, from all that he was involved in, he had turned completely around. But, but that was in between the time he would committed this third strike and went to the court. Went to, he was in jail and had to go before the judge. But the judge didn't sentence him to life in prison. He said, I don't know why I'm doing this. He said, I have no idea why I'm, why I'm doing this. But he said, I want you to know if you ever appear before my court again, you will go away for life. You know what? He had cha- and he's still a changed person. We had people in our church there who, who used to live on the street, literally, who used to live under overpasses, who used to live in cardboard huts. We had one lady that became a great personal friend who, down by the, the salt works down there in, the, in South Bay, would go to this particular area, had a place hollowed out in the bank, a, a lady, a woman, who lived, that was their home, in this hollowed out mud place next to the salt flats, flats but, but no more. We had people who lived on the street, but no more. People under bridges, but no more. We had people who lived in wanton immorality. I mean, I mean just anything went, but not any longer. We had people who were seriously addicted to drugs, but not uh, any further, and, and alcohol, but are not now. You want to know why? Because of the words of Paul when he said, such were some of you. But now, such were some of you. We're supposed to cross over into the new life. We're, we're, we're unable to do it on our own. We can't, we can't do it by ourselves. But Second Corinthians chapter 5.17 says that if anyone belongs to Christ, he's become a new person, a new creature. It says in the King James Version... And this idea of a new creation, and creation is different from making. This pulpit was made by somebody, this pulpit was not. Created, It wasn't spoken into existence. The raw materials were not supernaturally produced out of thin air. But rather someone took lumber and cut it precisely and put it together with screws and nails and glue or whatever else and made a pulpit. That was made. But when we are in Christ, we are a new creation. And God does something that people couldn't do. Only God can create. The old life is gone. The whole new life gone has begun. And what happens here is found in Paul's writing in Romans chapter 12. He says, I beg you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And listen to this, be not conformed to this world, but be you, what? Transformed. Be you transformed. And, and again, the, the Greek word for that is, is metamorpho. We get our word metamorphosis from it. And it means created into something entirely different. And whereas you have a caterpillar who crawls along and finds a place, a safe place hopefully, to make a cocoon. And then in, and wraps himself in that cocoon and something happens. Metamorphosis takes place. And what comes out is not a worm-like creature, not a caterpillar. But a butterfly. And so that's the word. Be not conformed, but be you transformed by the the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's why one of the reasons we're talking about every single member of First Baptist Church needs to be concerned about personal purity during this time of pastoral search. In fact, one of the textbooks they're using uh, as a team is seeking God while seeking a pastor. Because you don't want to make, just like, look. Just like when you make a choice who's going to be your husband or your wife for life, you don't want to be away from God when that happens. That's a time to be close to God. Now, you say, well, preacher, I was away from God and and it worked out for me. Well, you're the exception because too many times when people... Uh, when people make those kinds of life-altering decisions and they're not close to God, it's a problem. You want to be close to God when you make life's most important decisions. And so when you decide who is going to come here and be the pastor of this church, you need to make sure you're right with God. And so how do you do that? By the renewing of your mind, that you can prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God, get into His Word, get cleansed of all sin, confess it to God, make it right, and then start seeking God as you seek a pastor. So we're new creatures in Christ. That's when we become Christians, little Christ, Christ-like. Now, folks, let me tell you, if I, if I had a cure, if I had a cure for cancer, I've lost so many good friends and family members to cancer. If I had a cure for it and wouldn't share that, what would that make me? If we had a cure for heart disease and didn't share that, Milo, it would be great for your dad to have a cure for heart disease. Maybe some people in here would be great if you had And if we had that cure and didn't, what, what would be with that? If we had a cure for AIDS and we didn't let people know about it? We've got a cure for something much more serious than all those things put together. Because what people are afflicted with brings on the second death, which is spiritual, which is eternal. Unless they find a cure, and the only cure is the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And we don't sell it, we give it away. Matthew 28, the Great Commission. He said, All power is given to him in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. Go ye therefore. Go ye therefore into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. I was talking again to this neighbor last night, and he he talked about going to a church, and he was different than everybody else. And and in fact, uh, people stared at him, and he he felt like he just wasn't welcome there because he was different than the rest of them. And the thought occurred to me, we send missionaries halfway around the world, but we we don't want certain people to come to our church. That's wrong. Going to all the world, preach the gospel to every creature teaching them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to deserve all things. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So the first point, boy, that was an introduction. We're in trouble. The first point is the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. It's easy to get sidetracked. How many like IHOP restaurants? Okay, several years ago, I don't know if you remember this, Pat. We went to an IHOP and got a chicken salad. Let me just say this. They need to stick to pancakes. You know the secret of In-N-Out Burger's success? They stick to burgers. You want a grilled cheese? Not going to get one there. You want a hot dog? Not going to get one there. You want a fish sandwich? Go to McDonald's. You're not going to get one at In-N-Out because they stick to what they do best. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And we need to make sure that the main thing here at First Baptist Church is reaching people with the gospel and producing disciples. We should not be a political action group, although I think Christians should be involved and should vote and should be informed and should make their opinions known. We should not be a social agency, though I think we should help those who have needs and the poor and and, and so on. We should not be a fill-in-the-blank center. We are a church. We're a house of God. We're a saving station. We're a lighthouse. Every time I, I see that lighthouse right back there, it reminds me that, that the light that is, becomes so intense and that warns ships is a reflected light. Because lighthouses have mirrors to reflect the light. And we are to reflect the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost world to keep them from crashing on the shores. Our purpose should be the salvation of souls. The best way to win a society is one soul at a time. We don't hear about it, but the great awakening of 1734 to 1770, 1734 to 1770, one of the great awakenings in America spiritually, was was tantamount in, in our founding documents. Technically speaking, the United States of America has never been a Christian nation. Technically, it's not. But it was heavily influenced by Judeo-Christian values. And the founding documents heavily influenced because of a great awakening where 25 to 50,000 people were saved out of a total population in the United States of America of 350,000 people. And, it was, it, and that's why our founding documents talk about men being created equal under God and, 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 and our creator and so on. It's easy to get sidetracked in church on administration and programs and, 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 and people and technology and computer screens and, and activities and all of that. But it's about people. It's about souls that are never dying. It's about souls that are marching from this point to eternity. And somewhere along the line, somebody has to have the courage and the information to share with people to let them know there's a better way to live than just do the best you can. When Peter was set free from prison, God didn't commission him to teach about the unjust prison system in Rome. He could have. He didn't commission him to preach about corruption or to protest the Sanhedrin or to go feed the poor. He was told to go to, back to evangelizing, and they did that. And, and daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach that Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the Christ in the book of Acts. In the parable of the shepherd with the sheep, a hundred of them, one is lost. What does he do? He leaves the hundred, the 99 safely in the fold and goes and looks after the one. That's how important it is. And then there were the 10 coins in that same passage and one was lost and she searched the whole house until she found the 10th one. And in that same passage, there were two children. One, the elder, the elder served the father, the younger, took everything he had and went out and blew it all. Wine, women, and song. Had a big time. Came to the end of himself. Had nothing. Nowhere to live, nothing to eat. He thought about eating the food that the hogs ate, that he was feeding the hogs. I mean, it's pretty low down. Jewish boy now, his job is feeding hogs, and he's thinking about eating. The, I don't know about you, but I, my, my parents my grandparents lived on a farm and they had hogs and they had what they call a slop bucket. Anybody know what a slop bucket is? I don't mean to offend your your fine people here, but the slop bucket was everything that we didn't eat and everything that was left over from cooking processes went into the slop bucket and the hogs loved it. And this boy was to that point, but guess what? He came back and he was found. He who was lost was found. You know what I love about that story? And, And Philip, Craig, and Dean sing a song that just moves me so much is the father ran to him. The father ran to him. Put a robe on him, put a ring on his finger, shoes on his feet. Well, some qualifiers we need to have in evangelism. Some qualifiers. Evangelism should never take precedent over truth. We don't. We don't try to evangelize at the expense of truth. This is uh, the word of God, and the word of God is truth. And let's not twist it. Let's not bend it. Let's not make it say something that it doesn't say. The harvest is up to God. Yesterday we had a funeral for a 26 year old young man that on August the 20th flipped his truck, was ejected, was killed. 26 years old, a young man I had dedicated to the Lord when he was a baby, a young man we had watched grow up with his family. He, hang, he, he began to hung, hang around with some pretty rough kids, young adults. They did some pretty rough things. He became known as a partier, but the party's over now, at least on earth. And you know at the funeral, you know what his dad did? I don't know how he did this. His dad preached the funeral message. And about 30 kids got saved. Friends of his sons. He didn't compromise the message, he didn't water it down for these kids. I say kids 24, 25, 26. Years. If you're 24, 25, you're a kid. I'm sorry. You're just a kid. So evangelism should never take precedent over the truth. Secondly, evangelism is not the church's only purpose. It is the primary purpose, I believe, because you can't make a disciple until you get someone saved. Is that true? Does that make sense? You can't disciple someone if they're lost. I mean, you just can't. You can teach them information, but you can't really make them a disciple of Christ, follower until you, first of all, lead them to Jesus Christ. So it's the primary purpose. But we are to minister to the the membership. We are to take care of each other. We are to have each other's back. Number three, evangelism is not measured by comparative studies. Thirty were saved at a funeral service yesterday yesterday. we we probably, could we have 30 saved here? If Marty would get saved, maybe the rest of you would get excited. Who knows? But we're probably not going to have that. It's not a comparative thing. Ed and Judson went to the mission field for seven years. I think it was seven years until he had one convert. Seven years. Seven years. But you know what happened? After he died, he had translated the word of God into the language, and, and multitudes of people, Burmese, got saved. Our job is to plant the seed. It's God's job to see that it produces a crop. Some soil's rocky, others weedy, others real fertile. Some crops produce 30-fold, some produce 60-fold, some 100-fold. First Baptist Church might do better somewhere else, but it might do a lot worse somewhere else. But this is the field that God has planted you. I came from a church... um, Actually, it was a mission. It started out as a mission. I don't ever remember it having more than about 30 to 40 people. Never had about more than about 30 or 40 people. I and mean, that I counted everybody. There were five teenagers in those 30 to 35 people. Four of us have been in full-time ministry for 40 years. My preacher Felt like a failure because he only had 35 or 40 people. He had 80% of his teenagers give their lives to the gospel. I don't think that's a failure. Grow where you're planted, be what God intends for you to be. Some practical suggestions. First of all, preach to the Christians in our congregation. Growth produces evangelism, evangelism produces growth, it's a cyclical thing. Remember the excitement of the shepherds who met Jesus? They went everywhere telling everybody about it. Remember when people that Jesus healed, sometimes he would commission them. Now don't tell anybody, go to the priest and do it. That's the proper way to do it. And they would short circuit the proper way and they would everybody would say, hey, you won't believe what happened to me, man. I had leprosy and God healed me from it. I was. Uh, and what about the people he raised from the dead? I mean, people went everywhere telling people about that. The Emmaus disciples walked with the Lord. Their hearts did burn within them and they began talking about it. And when we have an account. With the Lord Jesus Christ, we cannot help but talk about it. And if the Lord has changed you and the Lord has changed me, we have to adopt a "come and see" method of evangelism. You say, well, I don't know how to do it. Well, here is one way to get started: come and see. Invite them to church. Let me ask a question. We take a poll, unofficial poll here. How many? Um, maybe you've been here a long time, maybe this is your first time to come. How many have come to First Baptist Church, Coronado, as a result of someone inviting you? Let me see your hands. Hold them up real high. Look around. That's a good number. Come and see. What does that mean, come and see? It was Andrew's method. He's talking to his brother. He said, come come and see. It was Philip's method. He said, come and see. It was the Samaritan woman's method. (laughs) <laughs> she she says something about her husband, and Jesus said, uh, he's not your husband. And besides that, you've had several husbands. She says, hmm. And she went out into the city, and she said, come and hear about a man who told me everything I've ever done. They said, we want to hear that. So they came by droves. Come and see. It can be your method. When you find something you like, you tell people about it. How many here like Cracker Barrel? Let me see let me see your hand. Okay. What's the matter with the rest of you people? I'm, I'm telling you, that's the way we're going to eat in heaven. Amen? Fried okra and no cholesterol. I don't know how it's going to work. No heart disease there. It's going to be great. Fried catfish. I mean, fried everything. Everything they have is fried except the iced tea. It's sweet. You tell everybody, I tell everybody about it. in and out Burger. I tell these poor people. for Whataburger in Texas? Are you kidding me? Have you ever had an in and out Burger? Remember when Krispy Kreme donuts opened up out here and people lined up for blocks, you know? And why would they do that? Did you ever go there and eat one of those suckers? I mean, when they come off the little conveyor belt and they're dripping with grease and hot and just slide down so easy. They are well lubed. Yogi Berra once lamented that his favorite restaurant is always so crowded nobody goes there anymore. Now, you have to think about that one. This method of come and see takes, doesn't take any special training. You don't have to be a biblical scholar. You don't have to have a bachelor's in theology degree. All you got to do is at work. All you got to do is at school. All you got to do is your neighborhood and say, hey, come and see. Come, come and learn about Christ. Come and hear the preaching. Come and, come and visit our church. Come see how nice our people are. That's all you have to do. And if all the members did that, they'd have, there wouldn't be any advertising necessity at all because the best advertisement is word of mouth. And they make the church experience inspiring. I'll tell you what, I hope, one thing I never want to do, I never want to bore people when I preach. Sometimes I get criticized, yeah, preacher, you you shouldn't say funny things when you're in the pulpit. So that's why I step over here, (laughs) step to one side. I don't want to be boring. I think it's a sin to make the gospel boring. I think it's a sin to make churches boring. How many have been to a boring church before? Don't raise your hand. Yeah, oh, man. I have been to some boring churches. I've been to some places where I mean I'm a preacher, right? And I'm sitting and I'm sitting in a chair, I gotta get out of here. It's driving me crazy. Be friendly to people. One time, well, probably more than once, but at my age, I only remember one time. I knew some people who went to some visitors and said, You're sitting in my seat. I was very civil, but very direct. I said, if that's your seat, take it home. Don't leave it up here. Because I'll tell you what, that is, some, someone visiting, you don't know, maybe that was the first time they visited a church in a long time. Maybe they're lost. Maybe they need Christ. Maybe, maybe whatever. And you're sitting in my seat. You think that makes a positive impression on them? Make every part of the experience good. I love it. You guys out here, I mean, you have from the very first time we've come out here greeting people. Greeters and receptionists or secretaries, the most important people in the church. Because if someone gets ignored, snubbed, offended on the phone or out on the front on the way in, that may be all it takes remind each other of the mission our mission is i mean we got coffee we got donuts we got lemonade we're not a restaurant we're just trying to make it nice for for people here Uh, ours is our purpose is to glorify god by producing fully devoted followers of jesus christ that's what our that's what our job is And, and and if we're if we do that, we're willing, we will be friendly. We say, well, preacher, I'm kind of introverted. Well, you know what? For the sake of Christ, you, you be friendly to people. You make yourself friendly. You know how to have friends? Be friends. Be a friend. Remember to invite your friends. We all have friends. We forget, we get lazy, we get embarrassed. We, oh, another thing. Sometimes you say, well, preacher, I don't want to talk to, my, to, to so-and-so about the Lord because it may run him off. Where are you going to run him off to? Hell number two? Hell number three? There's only one hell. They're going there. If they don't turn to Christ, don't be worried about running them off. Be worried about the fact they're headed to hell anyhow. Be considerate of each other be gracious to fellow members and expect the spirit of God to do something I don't know about have you prayed that God would do something this or I know some of you have because I've heard a couple of the prayers already today be praying that God does something every time we get here every time we come into God's house because folks quite frankly I I expect God to do something if God's not going to do something let's just go to the beach it's probably a little cooler but he may do something today and I hope he will that is life changing and transforming. Metamorphosis can take place in someone's life today. Expect the Spirit of God to move. That's why I have invitations. I, I know, you know. What if you have one person that needs Christ? Last point is this the ship is going down. The ship is going down. What ship? Titanic. Pat what was the town we were in the last protocol in Ireland yeah some town suppose you were there in mid April of 1912 and you knew the Titanic was going to sail it was scheduled it was ready to go and suppose you knew somehow what her fate was going to be and you tried with all your might to keep the Titanic from sailing, that unsinkable ship from sailing, and you could not persuade them, what would you then do? Would you follow alongside them as best you could in some kind of a boat or ship? And would you do all that you could To try to save as many of the 1,500 lives that perished as you could. Well, it was not possible to know. And no one did that because no one had the premonition or the foreknowledge that the Titanic was going to go down. In fact, everything indicated that it would be perfectly safe and was unsinkable. But you know full well, if you've read your Bible, that there's no salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved but by the name of Jesus Christ. So, what are you doing to win as many of your friends as possible to Christ? And what are you doing for the people in the Middle East and Europe and Asia and Africa and South America and Australia? What are you doing? Well, preacher, it's not possible for us all to go. No, it's not. But there is a go, and and we we go or we sin. We we can go to mission centers across our border, right down here. We can go to parts of San Diego that need help. We can help missionaries go halfway around the world to places where we cannot, and tell them come and see. So for you, for me, is it the great commission, and are we, are we being faithful to it? Or is it the great omission, and we're just ignoring it because of all the other stuff that's going on? Would you bow your heads? Are you fulfilling the great commission? Look into your own soul right now. Look into your own heart right now. When is the last time you told someone about Jesus Christ? When is the last time you told them that he died for them on the cross and they can have everlasting life? When is the last time you told someone that? Well, preacher, it was just this week. Well, praise the Lord for that. Well, maybe it's been two or three months ago. Well, maybe... It's been longer than that. My question to you, will you obey the Great Commission? Will you tell people? Will you give them the most important news they can ever hear? That Christ died, was buried, and rose for them. Or maybe if you're not commissioned to take the gospel. Maybe you're the mission field. Maybe you live right here in Coronado. Maybe you live not too far from here, but you are not a born again child of God. You have not had your sins forgiven. Maybe then that makes you the mission field. You're not a missionary, you're one who needs to come to Christ, and you can do that today. How do you do that? You do you go to God, just like those 30 young people did yesterday afternoon. and you you pray and you pour your heart out to him and you pray right now right where you are something like this you say dear God I know that I'm a sinner I know I don't deserve to go to heaven I know I can't get there on my own and I believe that Jesus is your son and I believe he died on the cross and was buried and that he supernaturally rose again after three days and this morning right here I want to receive Jesus as my Lord, my Savior. Please forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Purify my heart. Lord, I trust you for eternal life right now. With every head still bowed, if you just prayed that prayer right now, as best you do how, would you raise your hand up real high? Hold it up real high. Keep it up for just a moment. Preacher, I just prayed that prayer. I meant it with all my heart. Our Father, we thank you for the great commission. And I pray that we would be missionaries taking our place, going where you would have us to go, telling people what they need to hear. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? We're going to have a verse of invitation. I'm going to ask leadership team, if you'd come, other personal workers, if you're necessary, if you would come also if if, if you're needed. But come on down. And if you need to come, we're going to sing one verse, Micah, of song as a song as an invitation hymn. And this is your opportunity to come receive Christ, to come and rededicate yourself as a missionary, to come and surrender to the commission God has made in your life. Whatever it is, God would have you do as we sing, Everyone Needs Compassion.
0: Everyone needs compassion, a love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness. God's speak to your heart. Come ahead right now. I have a Savior, the hope of nation. My Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save, He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation He rose and conquered the grave Jesus conquered the
3: grave Everywhere you go this week School, to work, wherever it might be Take Christ with you Next week, hey, tell people to come see Because next week we're talking about the Beatitudes Start a series on the study of the Beatitudes Attitudes that ought to be Huh? Be attitudes, attitudes that ought to be. So, hope you'll be here for that and bring someone with you. We're going to have a town hall meeting. That's what you call it. A town hall meeting in just a little while for all members. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you for the blessings you've given to us. We thank you for loving us and seeking us out and for the salvation that we have through Christ. May we go everywhere we can telling people about it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Be friendly to those around you. God bless you, man. Love you. Appreciate it.